Hello and welcome to the Sick Podcast, Giant Central, sickest New York Giants podcast on the planet. Welcome to episode 32, the episode where we're finally at the last game of the season against the Eagles. Going to be doing a small breakdown on that, as well as some notes for the end of the season and what to expect moving forward. Let's get into it. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Giants Central. Incomplete! And the ball game's over! And the Giants have won Super Bowl 46! The sickest New York Giants podcast. It's gonna be sick. All right, this is for my college football fans out there. The championship is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook is making sure you can throw down on the epic showdown for a shot at big bucks, as new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on the championship game. So download the app now and use code 6sports, as again, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five smackaroos on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code 6Sports. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Or if you're in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. With that out of the way, like I said, going to be going over Giants-Eagles. Not going to be like a too in-depth of a breakdown just because the Giants played the Eagles last or two weeks ago. So all the stats aren't changed too much. Not like their plan of attack likely isn't going to change too much. Um, I will say going into this game, we've seen more offensive success from the Giants in the last two weeks, at least like week and a half, because the first half against the Eagles was bad. Then second half, they finally turned it up. <coughs> um So I could see them maybe playing spoiler against the Eagles. I don't know. Some keys I could think of offensively. Keep throwing it deep. It's worked week after week. And it's every time, really. Because the Giants have great deep threats and guys like Darius Slate and Jalen Hyatt. But they haven't been able to throw the ball far for one reason or another. Whether it be Daniel Jones, the offensive line not blocking enough, whatever. Uh, Throw it deep. Darius Slate has had two back-to-back massive catches. I've yeah, this catch against the Eagles with a touchdown. Yeah, two deep ball catches, four touchdowns in the last two weeks. Try and do it again. Uh, alongside that, incorporate Wondell Robinson. I say it every week. He is probably the Giants' best pass catcher, probably their second most dynamic offensive weapon behind Saquon Barkley, of course. So why they haven't consistently been giving him a ton of snaps, I, I don't know. I don't fully understand. Last week, he played the most snaps that he has all season long. So it would be nice to see that trend kind of continue this week. Who knows if it will? Mike Kafka is a weird fella. Um, like, he could be a game changer. We saw it last week, whether it be running the football or catching passes out. You know, it, it doesn't matter. He does everything. So hopefully the Giants can incorporate that. Get Jalen Hyatt active in the past game as well. I kind of want to see him in more intermediate routes. This is the last game of the season. Giants probably aren't going to win, so they can kind of experiment this game. We've seen what he can do in the deep game all season long. He had a deep catch last week that got called back for a hold, unfortunately, but but still. Um, I want to see Jalen Hyatt more active in the intermediate routes. So if he can do that this game, if the Giants can maybe kind of change up their offensive game plan a bit, just to try and see what they can have work going into next season, that would be nice. Uh Finally, be aggressive. The Eagles are not going to fuck around this game. I'm like, I haven't done the actual math, but just looking at it, like opening up ESPN and looking at things, 
I'm like 75% sure that if the Eagles win this game and the Cowboys lose, they win the division, which is obviously something they'd want. So they're not really going to come around this game. Nick Sirianni said he hasn't decided yet on whether or not he wants to bench certain guys. This quote did come from like a day or two ago. So maybe he changed his mind. I just didn't see, but still like he's saying that, but I would be very shocked if he benched really any of his starters, unless obviously they're hurt. Uh, the offensive line is probably not going to look very good this week. Uh, it looked really, really bad uh, against the Rams, and now there's no Tyree Phillips, so I'm not expecting much. The interior offensive line has been a joke and all season long, really, but more specifically in recent weeks. Uh, Justin Pugh and Ben Bredesen have not been holding their own. John Michael Schmitz had his worst game of the, of the season last week, as I said. And now Matt Pert is going to be lining up at right tackle, and I'm not very excited about that. He's a guy where, like, he either looks like fine or he just looks like unplayable. Like he doesn't really have like a very high ceiling, but his floor is like in hell. Like he's just not, not a very good player is what I'm trying to say. So I'm not, I'm not excited. Uh, defensively put pressure on Jalen hurts. I really hope that Kayvon Thibodeau finally steps it up. He's been very quiet the last like two or three weeks. I don't think he's racked up a sack in that time. Not many pressures either. Really not much of anything. The more I think about it statistically or not, I just have not really noticed much out of Cape on Thibodeau. Unfortunately, uh, Dexter Lawrence is probably going to be on a pitch count again, dealing with a hamstring injury. Those things tend to linger and with it being the final game, I wouldn't mind seeing guys like Jordan Riley get more snaps. Seventh round pick it up. I believe Oregon this season, had some nice flashes in the preseason. I'll say that hasn't played much, if really at all, in the regular season. Would be nice to see him get a little snap increase in the final game of the year. They usually kind of do that for guys like I know uh, receiver. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Got elevated from the practice squad. So a lot of teams do. Where like if there's a guy who hasn't played much or is a practice squad guy that's been around for a while, they elevate them for the final game because it's just a nice moment. So maybe they'll do that for Jordan Riley. Uh, who knows. Something I'm going to be interested uh, to see is who they put on A.J. Brown because there's not probably no Deontay Banks. I doubt they play him the last game with him dealing with an injury. Adore Jackson is not good. Uh, I kind of want to see Cordell Flott on him, oddly enough. Last season, in the last game of the year, coincidentally, they blind up Cordell Flott on A.J. Brown, and it worked. I'm not going to say Cordell Flott completely shut down A.J. Brown. He had a couple of catches, but he didn't look like the superstar receiver he is so if you know they can get flaw on him again and they can have that same production then the giants i mean the giants already have something in their hands with flaw like cordell flaw's a pretty damn good player for being like for his size and being a third round pick and all that uh something of note Dane Belton is set to start this week. Jason Pinnock is probably not going to play due to, due to a toe injury. Going to be interesting to see how he does because <laughs> prior to last week, Dane Belton has been really bad, like really, really bad. Last year, he was good in coverage, but the problem was he couldn't really take angles on runs. He just he couldn't do much outside of coverage. This year, though, he's been bad at both, except last week, obviously, forced well, – Forced two turnovers, uh, recovered a fumble, had three total turnovers, I guess. Looked really good. Like, no, not really uh, many other ways to put it. He looked really good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that keeps up. I don't think it will. I I, I think that – I'm not going to say last week was a fluke, but watching his interceptions, it was more of just bad throws from Matthew Stafford. And 
and Belton kind of being in the right place at the right time, as opposed to him making like an elite read for a safety. Um, so again, who knows how he'll do something. I, I want to see the giants experiment though, with it being the last game of the year is Isaiah Simmons. I want him to get more snaps. I, I've, I think he's done a great job w- with whatever he's been asked to do on the field this year. He has excelled at it, but it was just been unfortunate that the year they trade for him. And he's a guy I wanted. I've wanted the giants to have for forever. I kind of wanted the giants to take him back when they took Andrew Thomas. And I'm glad I was wrong with that. Um, but obviously they trade for Simmons, I think, what, like a seventh round pick? Like nothing for the guy. And then obviously Micah McFadden had the year that he's had. I will say, if there was a week to be like, all right, we're going to throw Simmons in the starting lineup, it would be this week. Micah McFadden has been good all year. Eh, he's been fine this year. But the last couple of weeks, he's really struggled, has missed a lot of easy tackles, hasn't made good reads and coverage. So if there's a week you want to replace him, it's this week. It's the last game of the year. You have nothing to play for. Throw Isaiah Simmons in and see what he can do. I like I said last year that I kind of wanted the Giants to go for a more coverage-oriented linebacker. They have their run stopper in Bobby Okereke, who's also been great in coverage, mind you. But if they can kind of throw in a guy like Simmons, who has shown a lot of flashes in coverage, I mean, the dude was basically drafted as a safety, that would be a nice change of pace. I doubt that this one game would make them want to start Simmons moving forward in the next season, but it's still something that could maybe earn him a good contract next season. Regardless. So I hope they bring Isaiah Simmons back. He's a great special teams guy. Whenever they need to throw him in, he makes something happen. I, I really do want to see him. Um, yeah, uh, that's really all I kind of have for this game. Like I said, I'm not going to go too deep. I hit some keys on both sides of the ball. Not much to talk about. The The Giants don't have anything to play for this game. The Eagles have a lot to play for this game, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants got curb stopped. Then again, I said that two weeks ago, and the Giants almost won the game. So maybe maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, something I don't know how I forgot to put it on my notes here. Before I go into the end of the season talk, the Pro Bowl rosters got announced. I'm sure a lot of you have seen that. And it just reminds me of how like every season, like the Pro Bowl is just like a joke. I'm not going to say now because the Pro Bowl has never really been like a great thing. Like in terms of like all-star games throughout the leagues, the NFL probably does it the worst because they consistently get the players who should be in it wrong. And you could say that about every other league, sure. But I don't think it's quite as bad as the NFL. Like the NBA makes some mistakes every now and then. Like the year Jared Allen made it over like Pascal Siakam because the game was in Cleveland. Like that's a mistake. But even then, like Jared Allen was great that season. But like Bobby Wagner made the Pro Bowl over Bobby Okereke, man. Like Bobby Wagner is still a fine linebacker, but like Bobby Okereke is playing at an all pro level. He's he's having his best season yet. You could argue he was a Pro Bowl level player last year and now he's having his best season ever. And you're telling me that's not a Pro Bowl level player? Like, what? And then Quincy, like the Jets, Quinton Williams doesn't make the doesn't make the Pro Bowl. Quincy Williams doesn't make the Pro Bowl. Two guys who've been at the top of their position in almost every stat and every film metric, but yet they don't make the Pro Bowl. Like it's just it, it blows my mind every season how they just continue to get it wrong. Like it, it's bad. It's bad because it's not even the fan votes. Like the fan votes get it wrong too. Cause Dexter Lawrence wasn't even top 10 in his position in fan votes. And he made the pro bowl like Bobby Okereke and Quincy Williams, I believe were both top three in, in linebacker voting 
for their respective conference. Yet, they didn't make it. It's just, it's insane. I mean, all pro teams are what really matters, but obviously less people make that. It's just, it's always an annoying thing to see. It always bothers me because it's like, I, it shouldn't bother me because it's the same thing every year. And it's probably just engagement bait by the NFL. But at the end of the day, man, like these guys have incentives to make Pro Bowls. These guys have incentives to do stuff like this. So like it affects the players too. Like I'd be pissed if I was Bobby Okereke and I had the season I had where I was probably the most valuable player on the Giants team period, let alone defense. And I don't even make the Pro Bowl after the fans vote me in. Like that's, that's a joke, man. That's so bad. Uh, On to the end of the season talk though. A lot of a lot of interviews, whether it be in or outside the locker room, happened, and some pretty interesting things were said by a few guys here. I'll start off by saying it's not looking great for Wink Martindale to return. Uh, there is obviously the reports by Jay Glazer and Jordan Renan all season long, not really all season long, the last like five to six weeks ish, I guess. Uh, but Wink ended up saying that he does want to be back, but he has to have some difficult conversations and that he still does want to be a head coach someday. So it, it's really like it's two different directions. Because like one, what does difficult conversations mean? Because that makes me feel like there is an issue between him and, and Brian Dable. Like I didn't want to believe it, but the, something like that makes me feel like there is. And then the whole head coach thing with the way the defense has looked. And the way Wink has held his guys accountable this season, I really wouldn't be surprised if a team offered him a job. I wasn't surprised last season when he wasn't offered one because like he was a little questionable. The defense was overall good but had some really iffy moments. But this season, they've been one of the best units in the NFL, despite like not really making too many changes other than drafting Deontay Banks and Bobby Okereke. In fact, they got rid of Leonard Williams and they look good. Like, um, I will say, I don't... Jordan Renan isn't my favorite Giants beat reporter. I'm not saying that he's like a bad person or that he get constantly gives out misinformation, but he definitely jumps the gun on things sometimes and puts his own opinion into some of his, some of his work a little too much, which is fine. Like that's not a bad thing. It's just not my personal preference. Um, he said that if either him or Mike Kafka leave, it's going to be because they want to leave, not because the Giants are firing them, which I agree with for Wink. Wink Martindale is like the reason the Giants have even won games this season. Mike Kafka, I don't think that they should bring back. It's been two years now, and he hasn't looked very great in either. I will say I definitely, you know, overblew a lot of his issues last year at times, but at the same time, like, he wasn't very great. He was fine last year. He wasn't great. And this year he's been bad. Like straight up, he has been bad. Uh, enough from coaches. So on to players, something that got me a little, a little sad. Uh, Sterling Shepard said he fully expects Sunday to be his last game uh, on the field at MetLife. And then he also said he's going to end up talking to his family about whether or not he wants to continue playing at the end of the season. And if you know me, Sterling Shepard has been, probably my favorite giant since he's been drafted really embodies what it means to be a giant of just showing up work your ass off take your hits and then you go home you don't cry to the media you don't cry to your teammates the coaches you show up you do your job you work your ass off and that's it and sterling Shepard has done everything the giants have asked him to over oh my god oh Whew. Has it been eight years? I feel old. 
I guess, eight years mathematically since he's been drafted. And unfortunately, we all know the injuries that he sustained over the over the years that has really hindered what could have been a great career. Uh, I will say this probably isn't going to happen, but I hope Brian Dable respects Sterling Shepard as much as I do and sees that he's only three receptions away from being, I think, fifth in all-time Giants receptions and you know, gives him a little snap boost to try and get that. Then again, I'm sure there are going to be some, you know, sour Giants fans who be like, oh, we could have done that earlier in the season, but he dropped a couple passes. It's like a guy, no player can have rhythm and have expectations if they're not getting consistent snaps. Like that drop Shepard had against the Rams. I'm not mad at him for that. That was a, probably the first or second snap he'd seen all game. Like he can't get in a rhythm and catch a, a, a fast, uh, like a tight pass like that. Like, it's difficult for anyone to do that. And I mean, sure you can make the argument, you show up your work, whatever, but like the dude has just had like the worst luck ever. So I'm going to cut him some slack. Uh, Saquon also alluded to this, maybe being his last game. He said that he knows the league is a business and that he just wants what he's worth. I talked about it last week, but if Saquon wants that 13 to $16 million range of a contract extension, the Giants should just let him walk. Honestly, he could be worth that. I will say his play this season is not worth that. But then again, other issues going into it, like no quarterback, no offensive line, blah, blah, blah. Um, He could be worth that much money. But the problem is the Giants have so many holes on their team that they, they would be almost dumb to put almost half of their cap space for this and next season into a running back like that would just be silly like uh as for the offseason in general though i expect more of the same in terms of like free agency as the last two seasons like bargain bin low risk high reward types of guys i mean really the only guy that joe shane's gone out i guess like quote unquote splurged on was bobby O'Carricane. we saw how that worked out shane has like a he has a decent track record in terms of free deciding obviously some haven't worked out mark lewinsky Really being the only like longer term, like he has a like the bunch of one year, like John Feliciano didn't work out, Richie James didn't work out, but like those are one year contracts and guys who aren't very good to begin with. So like I'm not gonna put too much fret into that. But like Mark Lewinsky signed to a three year deal, he comes in, he's not very good. But I feel like that's more on just uh Bobby Johnson. Speaking of which, the Giants assistant offensive line coach that left last season to go to the Colts currently is coaching the best offensive line unit in the NFL just to you know piss off my Giants fans out there and I'm not saying that it had the Giants fired Bobby Johnson and brought that guy in that they you know they'd have the best offensive line in the league but they'd definitely be better speaking of which I don't know remember where I put it but Bobby Johnson had a really annoying quote where is it right here so uh, a reporter I think it was Dan Duggan actually asked him basically if he thought if Bobby Johnson thought he'd be back next season and like Bobby Johnson, like basically turned the question around. He's like, Oh, do you think I'll be back? And it's like, Could you just answer a question like seriously? Like, you, you have coached the worst offensive line in football the last two seasons now. Don't take a question like that and turn it around and make the reporter have to answer it. You answer it as a coach. And it just kind of adds to the, the the pile, the dog pile of bad quotes he's had all season. It makes me even question if he's like not mature enough, but like if he can if he can handle 
being a coach in, in a New York environment. You, you get a question like that and, you, and your response is to flip it on the reporter. Like, come on, man. Like, t- uh, it's, it's so frustrating. I just don't like Bobby Johnson, man. I don't. Um, last thing here in terms of the draft, the giants currently sit at the fifth pick, but depending on how things go between, I think it was the commanders Cardinals and one other team might be the, no, not the bears. One other team. I'm, I can't remember the top of my head right now. They could move up to two. They're all the two through four. They're all tied for the same record at four and 12, but if they all win, which I, I doubt they will, obviously and the giants lose. They could go right up to two. I, If I had to make a guess, I'd say they'd probably go to the fourth, maybe even third pick. Who knows? But if that's the case, I definitely expect them to take a quarterback at this point. I wouldn't mind a move up for Drake May. I usually don't look too deep into quarterback prospects, but I've been doing my fair share because obviously this is the first year where the Giants have been in the position to where they are probably going to take a quarterback since I've really started doing my uh, draft work. Uh, And Drake May is a guy I really like. He's not afraid of pressure. He can make plays outside of the pocket. He, He can stay in the pocket. He doesn't abandon it like Daniel Jones does. Ridiculous arm. Has some things to work on, obviously, but he's a... Outside of Caleb Williams, he's by far, like by far, the best quarterback prospect. If they say at five, though, expect maybe Jane Daniels. I don't really want to take Jane Daniels that high, but if the Giants are dead set on taking a quarterback, that would be their guy to take. Other positions to target could maybe be tackled. Joe All out of Notre Dame is a monster. Uh, maybe if they rise up to three or four and both Drake May and Caleb Williams go one and two, they could take Marvin Harrison Jr. Obviously, that would be a big addition to the receiving core, something they've had issues with basically since Odell got traded. I, I don't know what to expect out of this draft. It's not like years before where like we knew they were taking an edge and a tackle when they got Neil and, and Kayvon, and we kind of knew that they were going to go for a corner last draft. Um this year, I don't know. It really all depends on how they view or value Daniel Jones. If they really think that he should be the starter next year, I expect a tackle or a receiver. Maybe they trade down even. But if they don't want Daniel Jones, expect a quarterback. Whether or not they make the right decision, we'll have to see. But with that being said, I'm going to wrap up this episode here. Thank you so much for watching. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Let me know who you let me know your personal favorite player you think the Giants should target in this year's draft. Click that notification bell so you're reminded of every time we drop a new episode. Thank you all again for watching, and I'll see y'all in the next one. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast, Giant Central, on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.